Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Joined with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today we are going to be taking a look at all 31 teams, if they had to do a compliance buyout, who they would pick. Uh, first, we have one really short thing of news, and that is a signing. The Columbus Blue Jackets sign Jonas Corposalo. Uh, his con the contract is a two-year deal with an average value of 2.8 million dollars. I think this is a pretty solid signing from Columbus or yeah from Columbus's part. What do you think about it, Chase? Yeah, acknowledging how little we can really know about goalie contracts, I think this one was fantastic. Pretty much all upside given how low VAAV is. Yeah, I mean, even if he turns into someone who's not an NHL-level goalie, uh, you, there's not really much risk. You can bury it. You know, his numbers have been pretty pedestrian this year, but that's fine. Like, he hasn't been a bad goalie by any means. He's just been very, very average. And I think for two point eight million dollars on a short term, that's that's five a very like good value for what he brings to your team. So as a tandem starter. Yeah, exactly. And he's young enough. Like, he's not particularly young, 25s older than people might think for goalies, but, like, maybe he gets better, too. There's some hope there. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a ton to say on it. It'll be interesting to see what Elvis does as well. I'd imagine they'll keep those two together and just go for a tandem run again because both of them were very good at different parts of the year this year for Columbus. Yeah, it kind of seems like the move when you don't have anything. Like, if you don't have P. Henrik Lundqvist in that, I like the idea of just throwing two guys in there and praying one of them's hot at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And when you have, you know, two somewhat solid tandem starters, it's really not a bad idea. Um, okay. With that, I don't think there's any other uh, moves to make. So we will head into the compliance buyout. So the rules for this is uh, pretty much we went through all 31 teams. Uh, we're saying that all 31 teams need to make a buyout. However, to, work in some extra stuff we worked in uh three possible trades that you could make so the trades i didn't do any returns on them but pretty much if a team wants to buy out two players they could trade one of their players to a team that isn't using a compliance buyout and then that player will be bought out so for this exercise uh i kind of tried to balance between what i would do and what a gm would do there's a few cases where i would pick someone but i know there's no chance in how the gm or fan base would like it so i tried to steer away from that kind of situation a little bit but uh yeah this is more just a fun exercise uh, in general um for anyone who doesn't know the rules about compliance buyouts they're pretty much you can buy a guy out you pay i believe it's two-thirds of his salary over double of the contract length so if you bought someone out with a uh whatever amount of salary five million uh and he had it for three more seasons you would pay that over six seasons and uh if it was Five per year, which would be 15, you'd pay $10 million out over those six seasons, and none of that counts on your cap. So we're not really worried about the financial aspect of things, more of just where would each team clear up cap space. Uh, so with that being said, uh, let's get right into it. We're going to go by division, try and go alphabetically in the division. So uh, Chase, you good with starting with the Atlantic? Yep. Do the cap right. friend. Yep. So who did you have for Boston then? For Boston, I have two trades within this division. For Boston, I originally wrote down John Moore, which I think would be fine. He's not It's not like an anchor contract, but Boston's pretty tight up to the cap, so having his almost $3 million off the books would help for the next three years. But I have them acquiring Kyle Ocposo from the Buffalo Sabres. 
Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I was real close to uh, giving them a trade as well because I just really wasn't sure what to do with them. Um, I think giving them Ocposo is uh, fine. I was for Buffalo. Um, obviously, we get that. That's the first two teams. Then I have Buffalo buying out Ocposo, uh, so we can get to that in a second as well. But uh, I had Boston buying out Chris Wagner, just kind of like what you said. It's not an anchor contract really, but he may, he's making 1.25 this year and then 1.35 for the next three years. So just kind of getting that off the books. I think John Moore's a good call as well, though, if you really wanted to go that way, but. Yeah, I mean, using a trade for Buffalo, I'm assuming Buffalo's buying out Skinner with your other contract then? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those are the two guys I kind of went towards, too. Now, I just, I used three other trades, so I didn't have any room for Buffalo, but uh, those were definitely the two guys on Buffalo's thing. With with Boston, I think it's smart. Like, they were close to being a trade option for me. I just decided to use some of their, you know, try and free up a little bit of cap space for them so they could get guys re-signed, like Tory Krug, if they need this offseason, but... Yeah, they're an interesting one because uh, I think as many as like a bunch of Leaf fans wouldn't want to hear Boston's using their space to get better, but uh, they very well could in a situation like this. Yeah, they have a surprisingly good cap sheet for the fact they were in cap hell with a very similar roster not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they've done a really good job to use, you know... Um, you know, get some good contracts on the books. Uh, the Pasternak one is an absolute steal. The Marshan one, while it might not be great in four or five years, looks really, really good right now. You get a top winger for $6.125 million. Uh, and, you know, the Bergeron one has looked good forever. So, and then on the back end, McAvoy's looks really good, and Charas just keeps on taking cheap one-year deals, so you can't complain about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just all their long-term contracts are... Coyle's another one you can think about, actually. Yeah, it was Coyle and uh, Krejci were two if you wanted to try and get some money off the books. Coyle's a long-term one, so I think I would lean there. But, like, also with Boston, it's tough because you're trying to balance, like, a team going for a cup run and uh, what they would actually do. And I I just don't see them buying out Charlie Coyle because – sorry, the other rule I forgot to mention on a compliance buyout is you can't just re-sign the guy you buy out. He needs to not be on your team for a full season. So pretty much if you're buying these guys out, they're going to the free agent market and you're not in on them. So I just don't see them buying out Charlie Coyle while they're in a cup window. Yeah, exactly. Like if the LA Kings have that Charlie Coyle contract on their books, you can think about buying it out because they're not competitive or whatever. But for the Boston Bruins, I – I don't think that would be the smartest thing they could do, although I don't think it would be a dumb thing either. No, I mean, cap space is always a weapon, and especially for teams with uh, so many people coming up. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, if they are one of the top teams in the NHL. I just don't see them buying out talent like that, uh, you know, to affect their depth, which they went out to try and acquire so badly the past couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so we got Boston and Buffalo done, I guess, then. Um so let's go to Detroit. Yeah, they've got a whole bunch of options. I just had them buying out Abdelkader. So I decided to go in. I think Abdelkader is a very fine option. Um, but I took a more methodical approach with this. If I'm Detroit slash Iserman, uh, I just got there, right? So I'm going to have, what, two, three seasons at least to try and rebuild this how I want it rebuilt. And right? you're Steve Eiserman, so you could probably add one or two more years on to what a normal GM would get. Exactly. So I'm taking this slow, and I'm not buying out anyone on my own team. 
I'm taking a trade from the San Jose Sharks, and it's Martin Jones, and I'll buy out Martin Jones for San Jose. I really like that. Yeah, so uh, obviously there'd be some kind of assets that go with. What kind? I don't really know, but I would assume some kind of pick, and that would already help bolster what they have right now, which they have all their picks for the next three years, and then they also have Edmonton second this year and next year. They have Washington second this year, San Jose's third already next or this year, Vegas's third next year, and they could have Edmonton's fourth this year. So if you even got, say, I don't know, like even a second-round pick in one of those drafts would be a easy benefit just to buy someone out that, you know, you don't need – there's never going to be on your team pretty much. Okay, I'm into that. I really like that as an option. Martin Jones is a great contract that the uh, Sharks would want off their books too. And, yeah, it's Steve Eiserman, so he's going to have plenty of time to get what he wants done. You have to think anyways. Yeah, exactly. Like, if it was any other situation, you go, okay, maybe if you're Detroit, you know, you're just trying to clear up some cap space. But the way I'm trying to look at it is, sure, they have $1.5 million right now, and they have a ton of RFAs to sign this year. But they got Erickson off the books this year. They got Daly off the books this year. Howard's coming off the books this year. Uh, Gagne's 2.8's coming off the books. So they're going to have cap space to re-sign there. Mostly, you know, the guys that aren't huge, big-name RFAs anyways. Mantha's the biggest name there, but, like, the second most expensive will probably be like Tyler Bertuzzi or Robbie Fabry, and I just don't see either of those guys costing too much. So if I'm uh, Detroit, I'm trying to take this slow, and absolutely I think Applicator's a decent one too because, I mean, that's a, just a garbage contract that you really want off your books. But if you know you have some time and you're not going to need the cap space right now, give yourself assets to go and uh, get some more talented players. Okay, I'm into that. I actually like that more than the Ocposo trade I had down, I think. Because the yeah. Jones contract is worse for longer. Yeah, I think when I looked at San Jose's, they had three or four guys where I could realistically go, okay, yeah, I could buy them out if I was San Jose. But uh, Jones is one for me where I think they they need to move them for their own good and look for some kind of tandem starter, starter with Dell in the free agency market uh, if they want to, or just completely rebuild if they want to just go that route. But they need to get Jones's money and reason to not play him off the books pretty much. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, so who did you have for Florida then? All right. So I have to start Florida buying out Mike Matheson. Okay. I have Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, I don't think they would do this, but at the same time, I think that they could use that $10 million for a better, not a better goalie. Like it's, if you get peak Bob and then we kind of went, this goes back to what we talked about last week with the top 10 goalie thing. It's like, if Bob returns to what Bob was two to three years ago, you know, you're going to regret buying him out. But again, like at age 31, he was so bad this year and not amazing last year either that I would be a little worried about having 10 million on my books, especially because they just used a first round pick on a goalie uh, last year in the draft. So I, I said Bobrovsky, and then you try and use your cap space to uh, get a fill-in goalie and maybe look elsewhere on your roster. So I completely agree, which is why Sergei Bobrovsky is being bought out in my scenario. Okay, so who are you trading the Bobrovsky bio to, or Matheson, whatever? So the teams acquiring the contract don't matter in every situation except this one. The Florida Panthers are trading... Sergey Bobrovsky contract where he will be bought out in Toronto. Okay, uh, I have another buyout that Toronto's going to do, but I'll get to that in a little bit. I mean, 
it's kind of the same idea with Boston, uh, where Toronto doesn't really have a big bio candidate. I mean, we'll get to them in a second, but I think that makes all the sense in the world for them to take a big contract like this on. And then it also makes sense in terms of the Bobrovsky side, because Toronto has the money that they would uh, pay that contract out. And I think you could probably get a first round pick for the 10 million that is Bobrovsky, especially from a team like Florida. Yeah, because the thing with the Bob deal is there's like $60 million left on it. So, like, you're not trading that to the Coyotes or something. And even the Florida Panthers are being told to cut salary. So I can't imagine they're a relatively – like, they have an excess of cash lying around. So I think the specifics of this great trade were great because Toronto's one of the few teams that might actually pay $60 million for a draft pick or two. And – the Florida Panthers could get rid of Bob instead of having to cut salaries elsewhere. Yep, and it's not even just the amount either. It's the length. Like, if Toronto takes this on, they'd be paying it for 12 seasons, which, like, for some team, like, for Toronto, it wouldn't be an issue because you know you're going to have lots of money over those 12 seasons. But, again, if you're a team like Arizona or Ottawa, you you have no idea where you're going to be financially in eight or nine years. You don't want to take a guy on where you have to pay him, you know, parts of $40 million, I guess, with the compliance buyout rules over the next 12 years. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think this is the perfect trade between the two teams because there's there's actually a bunch of teams that would be probably willing to sell their compliance buyout spots, but I can't imagine there's much comp- like much teams that would be able to actually stomach that Bob deal. No, not at all. I think that's a, that's a very good point. I don't even know if Florida would be able to do it, but if they had to buy out someone and I'm not really worrying about financials, uh, that's just the one I chose. I think the Matheson one's fine too. That goes for way too long. Uh, you know, that, that one would be interesting too, because they'd be paying them for over a decade. Um, but uh, those are two very good options. And then that would clear up almost 15 million a year in cap space for Florida to go and let them do stuff with this core. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, they just don't have money by the sounds of it. I try not to think of that too much, but it's been public because we don't really know the how the books look on a lot of teams, but it's been so public that the Florida Panthers are trying to cut salaries, I guess. So. Yeah, for sure. It seems like every year, you know, like they loaded up this year and the rumors have been denied a couple times, but when they're out there that often, it, it's hard to just ignore that they're trying to cut as much salary as the Bobrovsky one. And, you know, that was a big reason for the trade uh, at this deadline to bring in, you know, Eric Halla for um, uh, Trocek. Trocek. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it's just kind of things like that where it's like, okay, you know, this kind of symbolizes like you might be trying to cut some salary here. So, you know, if you give them the option to cut that much, I think that would be huge for the team and also for Toronto too. Yeah. All right. So well, I, we're still on Toronto though, I have one other thing to consider. Okay. All right. If we were like on American talk show radio, this would be our dream headline. Do the Toronto Maple Leafs at least consider buying out John Taveras? Hmm. Maybe. John Tavares, in my opinion, has provided, at least in line with his $11 million contract, fair value. I do not believe John Tavares is particularly likely to provide any excess value going forward on this contract. It's a fair point. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Toronto's another one where it's so so tough because it's like... They're obviously the joke is that they haven't made it past the first round in over a decade or whatever. But like they're a team that you would think is probably going to compete for a cup in the next 
cup or you know not even and by say compete for a cup i just mean be one of the six most likely to make the final or to win it right so it's like they could go to the conference finals this year or next year and it really wouldn't shock me like carolina did last year you know like i just don't know if i like i think the long-term value you'd get out of buying Tavares out would make sense but i don't know i i think that's one of those where it's like uh with the gm you know he's captain he's beloved in the fan base i don't know if i see the team doing that i'm not even sure i believe they would think about it but i think it is worth considering at least here's here's another one i know your answer but if you polled i think like say the toronto maple leaf fan base who would they be willing to buy out first john Tavares or mitch marner i think people would say marner first by a mile i I think i think so as well yeah i mean just given his age i think is the biggest reason Um, 100 you know, like, I, I think we're both on the side where, yeah, we know Marner got overpaid, but it's not like it's drastically, you know, if at all for his true value. Uh, compared to his comparables, it's pretty high, but, like, you know, it's not like he's making 10.8 and playing, like, a $3 million player. He's playing, like, a guy, you know, who you can make an argument for 10.8 on the open market if he wasn't an RFA. It's just the RFA was the issue. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I'm pretty sure he scored at the same pace as Tavares, so if you're choosing between two relatively similar players in terms of output, making pretty much the same salary for the next six years. You buy out the 29-year-old, not the 22-year-old. Yeah, or, you know, you could choose to not buy out either of them, figure your way around the cap and get, you know, something like a first-round pick in return. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the Tavares thing would be even remotely likely, but I think it's an interesting concept because they would have gotten Tavares' two best years and then they could cut bait before the contract has the potential to turn ugly. It definitely is an interesting concept. I think other than that, there's just no one you could really buy out on this team. I mean, you could buy like Kerfoot or Engvall or something to get yourself a little bit wide. Like that doesn't do anything for you because you need to replace those players with the exact guys you already have. Yeah, and I believe Kerfoot does and should have trade value. So at best, I was just going to say you buy out Engvall because you have to buy out somebody. And he's like the, or like Marinson or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Marinson's 700K. Uh, So I'll just go with Toronto, and then we'll get back up to the other three Atlantic teams since we're on Toronto. Uh, I had them trading for someone, too. Uh, I had them trading for Tyler Myers from Vancouver and buying him out. That's a really good one. That's exactly who I had Vancouver buying out. I just had them doing it themselves. So I can see that one pretty well. So, again, we'll get to Vancouver in a little bit, but I I think there's another pretty obvious one that they could buy out, and uh, for Vancouver, they're a team that I think is, you know, they, uh, it'll depend what happens this offseason and everything, but I think this year they were maybe a little ahead of schedule where they plan to be, whether they're that in true talent or not, I think uh, is a bit of a different discussion, but uh, it, you know, it speaks for itself that they need to get rid of a couple, you know, some money if they want to move, and I just think Tyler Myers is kind of a good landing spot, you know, in tr- Toronto, uh, you know, again, Tyler Myers has a, not as much as Bob, obviously, but you know, he's got four more years at $6 million per after this season. And, uh, you know, this year he made $7 million total salaries. So that's about uh, $23 million, you know, two-thirds of that that they'd have to pay. It's enough money over a span of eight years that they would have to pay that I think a team like Toronto would be a good one to handle it. And I don't really know the problem. The only problem with this, I think, is I don't know what you get back from Vancouver because Vancouver doesn't have their first this year, doesn't have their second this year and can't really trade their first next year because it's conditional on this year or next year. So, like, 
uh, like, I guess by the time the trade's made, you'd know if they have their first or not, but I just don't know how willing they would be to make a trade and get rid of an asset, but that's the only holdup for me. Yeah, you could look at, like, Jet Wu. Also, I can't imagine Toronto would be in a huge rush for that pick. No, like, you could you could push it down the line if you're Toronto. I mean, I don't think that would be a bad idea either. It just depends if GMs would want to do that or not. Yeah, I guess it depends on how safe Dubas thinks he is, which I believe yeah. he should feel he's really safe we have no evidence otherwise so yeah exactly so yeah i don't know like it's uh it's just one thing i think the it just depends if now mind you like vancouver has shown no issue with throwing away draft capital so maybe i'm overthinking it but if i was vancouver i'd just be a little a little weary of having to give up more uh assets but i mean if i'm approaching vancouver as the new gm i'm doing whatever i can to give myself some cap space to work when my young guns come up yeah exactly my myers is a great like if there are compliance buyouts, I see no way the Vancouver Canucks come out on the other side with that Myers contract. No, I don't either. Yeah, I just don't either. Uh, let's get to Montreal then. Who did you have? Uh, this is like the least realistic one I have by a mile, but I also think it might be the best one, and it's the Montreal Canadiens buying out Carey Price. Um, yeah, so I debated Price or Weber, uh, but I settled on Carl Alsner because... I think that's Carl. A- I think that's obviously an albatross of a contract, but with the the, the one. So I think obviously your argument for price here is he's already declining. It's so long for so much that you couldn't just try and get rid of it. Um, but my thing would be, I think that Carey Price still probably has value if you wanted to move him. Yeah, I I mean you always see him at the top. Like every time they pull players and GMs or like people on the inside of the NHL, they always seem to have them super high on their list. So it would not surprise me if he does. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't think you would get much for him. Like, I doubt you'd even get a first-round pick for him. But, like, I honestly think you could probably find some team desperate enough to dump him off for, like, a seventh-round pick or something like that. And if you can, if you really want to get rid of Price and you did that, you could also then use your spot to buy out Alsner, and suddenly you have almost 50, you know, over $15 million in space to use for whatever you want. Yeah, that would be pretty nice, especially since they have some space and they don't really have like a m- massive expenditure coming up, unless I'm underestimating how much Domi's going to get paid. But I don't think he's going to be a blow the door off think, kind of contract. No, I think he'll get a slight raise, but I would say probably around five million, five and a half. Does that sound right? Like, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. I'd, I would love to see his projection actually, but like, yeah, he deserves to get paid more than he's currently making. But I don't think you're going to pay insane amounts of money for Max Domi. Um, okay. So, oh, wow. So, uh, um, so I'm on evolving hockey right now and they have his predicted, oh shit, his predicted, uh, AAV at, uh, eight years as eight and a half million dollars, which seems like a lot. My mic cut out for a second there. Oh, sorry. Um, one second. Let me write down the time. Okay. How much did you hear there? The second I stopped speaking, it cut out. Okay. Okay, ready? I'll, I'll yep. go here. Uh, so I'm on uh, Cap Friendly, or not Cap Friendly, Evolving Hockey's uh, contract predictions for Max Domi. And uh, for the eight-year term, which I don't know, they probably wouldn't go eight years, but his eight-year term is... 8.8 million dollar cap hit oh my god 
I, yeah, isn't that, uh, that seems insane. Yeah, off of, like, he was really good in 1819. I don't know what of his would be driving that number up, but I, I can't imagine a 44-point player this past season is going to command a $64 million contract. Yeah, once you go down to five years, which I think is maybe more reasonable, it's like six point four million and four years six point three, and that at least seems more in the range for him. Two years would be five point five, so around the five to six million probably is where he would come in. But yeah, that seems like the range ish. Yeah, but I mean, and going back to Montreal, yeah. So like the only thing I have with, uh, you know, I think the only pushback you'd get on you uh, getting fifteen million cap space is. How long have we said that Montreal's head cap space for and just haven't been able to use it for anything? <laughs> True. Like, Who needs Radulov when you have cap space? Yeah, and they seem to have a, a rough time attracting free agents in the, to their market. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. Maybe you just use your cap space and go on a bit of a retool here, which I think isn't a bad idea. Uh, Montreal is pretty better off in the draft, I think, than most people realize. They have... Three seconds this year, two-thirds, two-thirds next year, three-fourths this and next year, two-fifths this year, three-fifths next year. So, like, they have a, an abundance of picks to use, and if they can influx some talent over the next couple of years, they, you know, might have a bit of better outlook if they also have some cap space to use. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And judging by the fact that they have so many of these draft picks so many years out, I think that's kind of what it looks like they're going for, isn't it? Like a little bit of a take a step back for a minute. I think so. It's just so tough with Weber and Price because it's like, unless you have a contingency plan for that, you're going to be kind of like the Philly model where it's like you're very clearly in between two cores or, you know, even the Chicago thing where it's like you're in between two cores and your team's just not good enough either way where it's like, yeah, your future's fine, but it's not the brightest. And also, you know, you're fine right now, but you're not bad enough to get some immediate elite talent through the draft. Yeah, they end up in that like awkward limbo phase. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go on to Ottawa here. For me, this was pretty easy. I mean, if we're putting financial reasons aside because you have to buy someone out, I chose Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, that's a, It's a bad contract. And as you said before we started recording, I think it would make the Zaitsev trade look pretty good if you could buy out Zaitsev and pretty much get Connor Brown for Cody Cece. Yeah, exactly. And you were going to have to pay Cece what you're going to pay Zaitsev, essentially. So like, you basically just get free Connor Brown out of it. Yeah, exactly. I think the only other option for Ottawa if they were to buy someone out would be uh, Bobby Ryan, but I would rather take Zaitsev. I think Ryan's a better player now than Zaitsev. Uh, Ryan has two years left after this one, and Zaitsev has four. Ryan's is a little more money, but or a little more of a cap hit, but you're not going to need that cap hit uh, by the time he expires, probably, so you should be fine. Yeah, exactly. I actually think Ottawa buying out Zaitsev is like the easiest call to make in this entire thing, or at least one of them. Yeah, I mean, if we're, especially if we're putting financial reasons aside, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to Tampa. This is the last team we have for the Atlantic. Uh, I had them buying out Tyler Johnson. That was the other one I thought about. I had Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that I, I thought about that one too. It's, I don't know, like I was kind of stuck in between, because they're obviously another team going for a cup. I was kind of stuck in between, okay, do they get a lot of cap space now so they can use it on people or do they value him too much for a cup run? And I think either way you could make an argument for, but I went, if they buy out uh, five, uh, 5 million for Tyler Johnson, they might still trade someone like Alex Kalorn and there's, you know, 
almost $10 million to spend on uh, Sorelli and Sergachev. So you just probably hope that's enough to bridge the two for a couple of years. Yeah, I could see that. And the nice thing about Tampa is, you know, damn well, they'd get a pick back for Kalorn. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it'd be maybe not a first like they got for uh, Miller. Uh, Miller. Yeah. But it would definitely be some kind of asset probably back for Kalorn. I mean, there's just a, definitely a team that would help them out. It feels like. Yeah, I would think so. And you can spin that easy enough for your bad team. It's not like Kalorn's this terrible hockey player. His contract no, I mean, yeah, he's fine. He's uh, fine. His contract would probably be fine on other teams too. It's just not good for Tampa. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, my cat is here. Go away. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the Metro Division then. Uh, starting with Carolina, who do you have? I had them buying out a contract that I don't even know is kicked in yet, which seems weird, but uh, Brady Shea. Shea. Shea Brady Shea? Shea? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. who I have as well. Um, and it I, it has kicked in because they traded for it this year, which I think right. maybe makes it a little unlikely, but like, I just... Don't see how you can justify keeping this. I think the other popular one among people would be Jake Gardner, but I think Jake Gardner's been more unlucky than anything else this year, unless his back really is screwed up. But then even then, I think he'd be an LTIR option instead of a bio candidate. Yeah, exactly. Like We have a lot more evidence that Jake Gardner is good than we do Brady Shea, so I'm a lot more comfortable just betting on a Gardner rebound. He's cheaper. He's got a year less term and everything, too, even though he is a year older. I think the worst case with Gardner is ULTIR him. The worst case with Brady Shea is that you have an absolute anchor back there. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of my thinking, too. And then, you know, other than that, for Carolina, they really don't have any bad contracts. I mean, you know, like Ajo's a great contract, Stahl. Like, I, but, like, even Stahl, I think it's fine. Like, Yeah, you're not cursing that contract every day. But, like, no, if and- you thought there was something productive to be done with the cap space or you needed it really badly, that would be another one you could think of at least. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. They're just, yeah, they don't have any where it's like you see it and you just scream, oh my God, this is terrible. Uh, You know, other than the Shea one, I think that's definitely their worst one. So that's probably a pretty easy choice. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Columbus. Um, They were a potential trade one for me, but I have them buying out Cam Atkinson. Uh, yeah, I put a little bit of thought into that. I just, I don't know. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's the face of the franchise because that's a little sad. And I'd also argue it's like Seth Jones. But I think up front, he's one of the guys that the franchise kind of looks upon pretty highly. And just from like, this was one of the few where it's like, I just, from everything I've heard about what Columbus thinks of Cam Atkinson, I just don't see them buying him out. I don't think they would, but he's just like you have Cam Atkinson on your second line or whatever. It's not a bad thing. Like he's not an active liability, but he's just such a mediocre hockey player for $6 million with five years left after this one. At age 30 as well. Yeah. Like it's a reasonable one. I made them a trade option just because uh, they have so few draft picks that I think acquiring some draft picks through a trade to buy someone out is maybe the best route for them. So they can resupply their farm after going for it uh, last year. Yeah, so, you can see they would have a strong incentive to do that. Yeah, so I had an in-division trade, and I really don't know if the other team would even do this. Uh, I had them trading with the Islanders, and they acquire Brock Nelson and buy him out. Um, the Islanders have so many contracts that you could argue buying out. Uh, it was between Nelson and Pajot for me, really. Um, 
I think yeah. you could make an, an argument for either of them, but because they just signed Peugeot, I figured uh, the fans would probably riot if you bought a, a guy out after spending a first and a second on him. So, Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, Dial, Lad one you could also buy out for them too. Yeah, Lad, Cal Clutterbuck. I think Boychuk. the Lad contract's like the path of least resistance for the Islanders. Yeah, um, I... I uh, who did you? We'll go to the Islanders real quick too, because I don't think there's really much to touch on for San Jose or for San Jose Columbus. Sorry, I think it's pretty much just they needed to trade. You know, if they want more draft picks back, it's, this is a good way to take it. But uh, you know, who did you have for uh, the Islanders? So, in real considering the real how realistic the trade was, I just Andrew Ladd. I, like I said, I think that's the path of least resistance. Nobody's going to complain about that one at all. But I had them buying out Anders Lee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that would ever happen, but like that's another fine candidate. Uh, you know, I think Andrew Ladd's another good one. I put Johnny Boychuk down just because he's not been very good lately. He has $6 million on the books, and also their blue line is so heavily contested, and they have a ton of good young guys who are looking for playing time, so that getting rid of him would help. Like, Yeah, I like that as an option for them. You could argue Var- like there's Varlamov. Like, there's so many contracts you could buy out here. Yeah, they're just not... Like, they don't have good contracts, essentially. No, like, I mean, even like... Like the Jordan Eberly or yeah, the Eberly one, I would say is one of their better ones, and it is very, very fair value. Yeah, and like even depending on the team, you could consider Jordan Eberly as a bio guy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if he was on Tampa, I think you probably would. Yeah, exactly. Like I'd probably rather have the Tyler Johnson contract than the Jordan Eberly contract. And yet, yeah, I don't. Tyler Johnson is a perfectly reasonable bio candidate for Tampa Bay. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a so I have the Islanders pretty much buying out two guys and pick your two really. Uh, I said Boychuk and Nelson mostly because I forgot about Lad. Uh, maybe I do Lad instead of Nelson, but Nelson you get an extra year of uh, term off. So yeah, I don't know. They are in a very rough spot. Uh, let's go to New Jersey. All right, for the Devils, I think this one's another relatively obvious one. I still think he has the potential to bounce back because of how good he used to be, but P.K. Subban. Um, so I had someone different here, actually. Okay. I, I did Corey Schneider. Yeah, that's um, a good one, too. Yeah, I think you could make an argument for Subban, and he was my first thought, too. But I think Subban you could still trade if you wanted to. I mean, they just picked him up this offseason. You'd have to retain salary if you trade on, traded him, but, like— is that really the worst thing in the world? Like, I don't think you're moving on from Corey Schneider at all, unless you're buying him out. No, you know how I said Andrew Ladd was like the path of least resistance for the Islanders? I think that's Corey Schneider for the Devils. Yeah, I mean, you get the six mil off the books, and if you really want to get rid of Subban, which I think you could make an easy case for, uh, I think if you retain $3 million, there'd still be teams willing to take a swing at him for you know some kind of small asset. Yeah, or even if you get nothing, then you're still freeing up $12 million instead of uh, just 6 Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's uh, that would be my option, I think. And I think you can make an argument for Subban, too. But, yeah, just between him and the fact that, you know, maybe he could bounce back yet still, too, I would say just buy out Schneider, who they had in the minors for half the year anyways. Mackenzie Blackwood is clearly the starter of the future there for them. So find Blackwood a backup or a tandem guy to take some games away from him. And... Clear six million of Schneider, and then whatever of Subban as well, right? 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they don't really have as many bad contracts as I expected either. No, they just don't have a lot of talent, as sad as it is. Like, yeah. I don't like I don't know. Like the Zajac contract isn't great, but it's just you know, like it's two years. You don't need to buy that out, considering you're not really a cash strapped team. You know, no, Kyle Palmieri. Like, there's just a bunch of guys. If there is this sort of bio phase, there's going to be a whole bunch of players that are better than usual for free agency looking for a spot to go. New Jersey could be in a perfect position to hand guys like double what they should be making on a one-year turn just to retain and flip them at the next year's deadline here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I totally agree with that. So, uh, okay, who are you, who did you put down for the Rangers? Rangers are kind of a tough one, actually. I considered two contracts that have been signed within the past, like, nine months of Truba and Kreider, but I think Stahl is the path of least resistance here. Yeah, I went Stahl as well. I think, uh, you know, I debated Kreider, too, if that was what I was doing, but I find it so... I think you could still trade Kreider, uh, as weird as it would look, but, like, if you're, say, a new GM coming in now, I think you... there, You know, obviously there would have been teams lining up to give Kreider a contract, and I think there still would be, even with the, the length that he's on now, I think teams would probably give you an asset for that, so I wouldn't buy him out. Yeah, it was kind of tough, so I always look at the contracts like the Kreider one and think no team in their right mind would trade for Chris Kreider now that that contract is signed. But of course, the reason they have to give him that much money is because other teams are willing to pay close to that. So in theory, that should mean it actually wouldn't be that hard to get rid of the Kreider contract, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how much you would get because usually teams would give them that if they don't have to give up another asset. But if they have to give up some kind of pick, they might be uh, less willing to acquire him. But at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's someone, him and Truba too, I think is the same thing where it's like, I absolutely think teams probably still view Truba as an $8 million defenseman who is quote unquote young, even though he's 26 and who's going to play on your top pair for the length of this contract. And I don't really know, believe that to be the case. So I think you can make an argument where if you really felt you need to get rid of him, trading him could be the option. And uh, for me, it was actually between Mark Stahl and Hendrik Lundqvist, but I felt like buying out Hendrik Lundqvist was just something the organization would never do and the fans wouldn't be okay with, so I went Mark Stahl because he's garbage and that means no coach can use him again for my team. Yeah, exactly. How many years did they spend of Vino playing him and like the fancy stats fans in New York just ripping their hair out? I'm sure they'd be really happy to be done with that. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, I don't have much more to say about the Rangers. Uh, do you? Nope. Okay. Uh, so who did you have for Philly then? I have Kevin Hayes. I also have Kevin Hayes. This is another one. I would consider Voracek too, but I think Hayes' contract has that extra year. Hayes is pretty much a no-brainer for Philly. Yeah, Hayes has two extra years and... Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. We I think we were both on the same time. So this got signed last summer, obviously, and we, when it got signed, we're just kind of like, okay, this is a lot for Kevin Hayes. It's going to help your team now, but hurt you in three or four years or whatever. And that's just still where I kind of sit on it, where it's just like, that's, you know, you don't really, like, I don't know, like, Philly's in such a tough position because it's like, they're not a team I consider a cup contender, really, but they are a good team. Like, they're not a bad team by any means. It's just, they kind of seem to be stuck in the middle of two cores where it's like, they're not good enough to be considered, to me, one of the elite teams in the league, but they're nowhere near bad enough to be considered a bad team. Yeah, like you're not tanking with that team right now. 
No, but like, and like, I think the roster is good enough where it's like you could see them making a run to the conference finals or something if everything broke their way. But I think they would need a lot of luck for that. And I just wouldn't want to bet on that if I'm Philly. Yeah, 100%. And the thing with the Hayes contract is like, I forget exactly how long, but Hayes was like incredibly mediocre for like four or five years. And then all of a sudden everyone and even like my models and stuff really, really high on him last year. He gets this huge contract, and then he pretty much goes right back to being what it used to be. So you can kind of say, hey, we realize our mistake, and walk away before this gets super ugly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's fair enough. You get a year out of them. Uh, uh, would you, if you're Philly, would you consider uh, someone like JVR at all? Yeah, I would definitely think of JVR is probably the next best option, or next most likely, at least, after Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I just think... Yeah, that's kind of what I, I took a look at him, but Hayes' contract is more and doubles his length, so I think Hayes is probably the best option just for long term here. I also think JVR might be better, like today. Yeah, I don't know. He struggled with injuries a lot this year, but I think he is probably a little underrated league-wide. Yeah, like, I, obviously Kevin Hayes had that one awesome year, so when you talk, talk about his sort of upside, it's higher than JVR, but I think... Being healthy, JVR's sort of like mean projection is a lot higher than Kevin Hayes for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's go to Pittsburgh then. This one's pretty easy, right? Oh God, yeah. Jack Johnson. Yep. Yeah, we barely have to talk about. It. The only other name I considered was um, Brandon Tanev, just because of how long that contract stretches. But uh, Brandon Tanev, uh, for you know how long, how too long that is, is a much much better player today than Jack Johnson is, and it's still two years. It's only two years longer than Jack Johnson's. I think you're just you'd be silly not to get rid of this. Yep, Jack Johnson is one of the worst regular defensemen in the NHL. So if you had the opportunity to get rid of that contract, you jump on it. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, so Washington then. Who? Th- this was a tough one for me because there's so many where it's like you could probably make a case for someone like John Carlson, but they're in literally their last stance of the cup windows for the next couple years here. I don't think you can justify getting rid of John Carlson. So who did – but like maybe maybe you could. I don't know. Who did you uh, choose for a bio candidate here? I took someone who I believe is less essential to their success but still someone that would – Losing him would hurt their cup chances. TJ Oshie. Yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good one. I didn't really think about that one, actually, but that that's a solid one. I did a much lesser extent. I did Nick Jensen, who has struggled. The team hasn't liked him, and he's, he's 2.5, so he gets you a little bit of money off the books for four years there. Um, but I think Oshie's probably a good one in terms of that, that contract is still very long. Yeah, and Oshie's three years older than Carlson, too, like... I think the Oshie one's going to look ugly quicker than the Carlson one, even though the Carlson one has the potential to look more disastrous in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one, actually. I think that's who I changed my answer to now that I think about it. Um, yeah, obviously it would hurt their cup chances right away, but, like, yeah, that's – I think you could do something better with the $5.75 million that you get out of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oshie's 33 already. Yeah, and, that, you know, that, there's – sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's just it's just a concern because it's not like he was a superstar in his prime either. No, and I mean he was a crucial part to their cup win, but like, yeah, he's 33 already, and he's got five more years after this one, so he's gonna be 38, 39 when this deal expires. So, 
yeah, the perfect time to cut bait with him. You got all the upside of this contract, and then you can get rid of him before any of the downside comes in. Exactly. All right, let's head to the West. Uh, Anaheim, who did you have? I had the Anaheim Ducks buying out. Uh, I think Adam Henrique I would consider Fowler, too. I did Adam Henrique. Uh, 5.825 for four more years after this one. Uh, Fowler's fine. I, I just think that Fowler provides more value and is two years younger. So I, I, I just feel like you could make an argument for it, for sure, because uh, I think Fowler's overrated uh, as a whole. But, like, I don't know. For me, it was just Henrique just because I don't. I really don't think that highly of Adam Henrique. No, this contract was a disaster from the day it was signed. Yeah. Uh, the, the other two I think you can make an argument for, uh, one's Ryan Kessler, but I think he's going to be an LTIR kind of guy, so I think you can just keep him and probably LTIR him. Yeah, that was my thought, too. Kessler seems to be perfectly fine sitting there in LTIR, so. Yeah, and then the good Branson and Bacchus contracts are both garbage, but they're only for one more year after this one, and Anaheim's going to suck for that year anyway, so why not just eat the money and, you know, let them be mentors or whatever, and then you're off the books after next season? Yeah, especially the Bacchus one. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they picked them up to do. I mean, I think we were both pretty high on that trade. Well, not high. I think they probably could have got more, but, uh, you know, in a— a vacuum in terms of what the idea behind it was, where it's like you get an asset and David Backus, uh, you know, you can take con- Backus contract on with an asset, uh, would have been a good idea, but they also gave up, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Andre Cache uh, in return. They probably just didn't get enough, but the idea of it is fine because it's not like David Backus is, you know, a horrible person or whatever. It's just, he can't play to the level that he used to be. Yeah, exactly. Well, like when Calgary signs, Milan Lucic you're like or this is really stupid or sorry Edmonton because he's not actually that good you signed him for way too long sure he's a leader in the dressing room and he used to be great like this is terrible but with David Backus it's like he's still a good bottom sixer he's only one more year he used to be great so as far as sort of like leadership deals go I actually really like the Davis Backus one yeah exactly it's a very you know reasonable deal I'd say um Okay, so who did you do for Arizona? I believe, oh no, this is another one that I don't think would even get considered, like you'd get laughed out of the room if you suggested it, but OEL. Yeah, I thought about it. Uh, It's a lot of money and a long term for someone who's probably a little overrated now. Uh, I chose Phil Kessel just because I think he's been a disaster already this year, and I really don't think that's going to improve much, but... uh, you never know, I guess. Yeah, the Kessel one was another one I thought of, too. It's it just, like, um, we both thought maybe Kessel was more, like, his point totals, more of a product of that Pittsburgh power play than Kessel's true talent, and that prediction looks pretty damn good one year out. Yeah, yep, exactly. The OEL one is a good choice, though. That is so long. That just kicked in this year. It's got seven more years at 8.25. Yeah, you would probably get fired if you're John Jacob buying out that contract. Absolutely, considering you're the one who signed it. <laughs> After handing it out. But still, like, if you're talking about the long-term health of the franchise, OEL was amazing. I believe is no longer amazing. So I think that's the move. Yeah, I don't think he's really been amazing for two years now. Three years, maybe. Yeah, the past two years he struggled. He wasn't, like, terrible last year, but 
He was re- okay. Never mind. He was really good two years ago, but last year he wasn't great, and this year he just really struggled. So. Yeah, but, and the last time he was like really, really, really good was like maybe four years ago now, five if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I mean, 16, 17, he had a down year as well. Um, just going by Evolving Hockey's data, 15, 16, he was off the charts for everything, though. But, yeah, he's kind of one of those guys where it's like he's so underrated throughout his, like, 22 through 26 years that once everyone finally realizes he's good, kind of like the Blake Wheeler model, where it's like by the time people realize he's good, he's already aging, and he's suddenly nowhere near as good as everyone thinks. Yeah, exactly. Or like a more extreme Louis Erickson where like OEL was providing excess value for so long, but now it's the time where he's actually worse than his contract implies, even though people have finally just caught on to how good he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think both of those are good options. Uh, the Kessel one, I'd also like to see him, if he got bought out, go to another team and make be paid by four different NHL teams at the same time. Serious. I don't know how many players would be able to say that they've uh, been able to do that, but that would be uh, that would be what I I would like to do, see for sure. I think Vinny LeCavalier at least approached that. Yeah, I think he he had L.A. Philly. No, sorry, it was Tampa Philly, and was it L.A. that he went to? Yeah, I believe he was with the Kings at the end. Yeah, I think he had three. But maybe there was a fourth in there. But, yeah, that, that would just be – it's always kind of funny to see when you're like, all right, like a quarter of the league's paying me here. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so next team up is Calgary. And you know how you said Zaitsev's the easiest one? I think this might be the easiest one. Yeah, it's, I, it, I agree. It's, Mil- it's Milan Lucic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like and, question. Yeah. And funny enough, actually, the next team on our list is Edmonton, and I have James Neal for them. Yep, those are a very easy combo right there. Yeah, and I think Lucic is probably the easiest name I had. I didn't even look at their cap friendly. I am now, and yeah, like it's just by far. I thought maybe like someone like Mikel Backlund, if you didn't have Lucic, you could make an argument for, but like, or maybe Noah Hannafin if you're not that high on him, but even Hannafin's 23. I think his contract is maybe fair value or slightly below fair value, but like it's not an anchor. And you kind of, you know, if you get rid of him, you're in trouble. But, you know, even without Lucic, it's, it might be a harder call then. But, you know, Lucic is just far and away the worst one on this team. Yeah, it's just a terrible contract. And, like, every other player on Calgary, there are some, you know, deals you could argue are bad. But there would be trade value there, at least. Or, like, it would hurt to buy them out. Whereas Lucic doesn't hurt you to buy it out. He's just not a, not what he was. You didn't sign the contract. It's perfect for them. Yeah, exactly. And got the same idea with James Neal. I know he has been useful enough for them, but uh, just for that price at that term, I think you can find a replacement for much cheaper to do what James Neal's done this year. Um, and you just it'd be a no-brainer to get rid of him, I think, in terms of you know saving yourself almost $6 million. Yeah, exactly. James Neal this year was like a more or less extreme, I guess, Phil Kessel or like – yeah, he put up some decent goal totals on Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's power play, but, like, I really wouldn't want to keep him around for that. No, not at all. And, I mean, like, even, you know, it's pretty sad when we say his pretty good bounce-back year was uh, 
you know, 31 points in 55 games. It's not like that's flying off the charts or anything like that. Like it's fine. But again, when you're probably, when you're on a 46 point average over an 82 game season, you're playing with two of the best players in the world. That's not something to write home about. Yeah. And especially when you're 32 and that 42 point seasons, your massive like redemption story. Yeah, exactly. Like he was probably going to hit 20 goals this year. He's at 19 and 55 before the season pause. So, uh, yeah. And I mean, like, I just, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to say. And he's doing this all while shooting 17%, which is almost 6% above his career average. Yeah, exactly. He is almost certainly not that good of a shooter. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty easy one too. Uh, now we get to L.A. There's some very interesting options here, and I really debated going Doughty, but Doughty's another one where I absolutely think you would get three or four teams willing to trade for him if that's how you wanted to move on from him, if you did want to move on from him. So I chose not to do Doughty and kind of Kopitar for the same reason. I did Dustin Brown, uh, 5.8 for two more years after this one. Uh, you know, maybe you could argue that you could find Jonathan Quick would be another one too, actually. Uh, it was between those two guys for me, and I think you could really talk me into either guy. Um, I think with Doughty and Kopitar, though, Doughty's one I looked at getting rid of, but I think you could trade Doughty and probably get an asset of some kind back. Yeah, getting that, buying out the Dustin Brown contract is like the most mocked, as in, not as in made fun of, but like drawn up buyout of all time. I had Doughty, although I think the trade value thing is a good point. Yeah, like if it's uh, you have to do it probably this offseason because I think, uh, you know, the stats community has kind of realized that Doughty is not good at all anymore. Like, I, I don't even like Doughty's what number of a defenseman would you put Doughty as like a, a one, a two, a three, a four? Um, He's this weird thing like Berkshire had an article. His micro stats are still solid, but like his on ice stats are still so bad. I would not feel comfortable saying Drew Doughty's a number one defenseman anymore. No, I wouldn't either. I'd say he's maybe a two in the right situation, probably right now. Yeah, it's this weird thing, too, because everybody's like, oh, his numbers are only bad because he, he's playing tough competition or whatever. It's like, well, he is necessarily no longer a number one defenseman if him playing against the other team's best players results in him getting freaking crushed. Yeah, exactly. So, uh yeah, it's uh, it's like he's not uh, he's not Drew Doughty of old, that's for sure. Um, but I, I still think that a lot of GMs around the league probably still think that oh, he's just in a bad situation. Like just what you exactly just said, I think a lot of GMs would talk themselves into seeing Drew Doughty as that and going, okay, yeah, let's take him on at seven more years for eleven million. Oh yeah, you can so imagine how many GMs would talk themselves into him. Yeah. Um, okay, so for uh, San Jose, uh, this was a team that I had trading Martin Jones uh, to the uh, – who did I trade him to? To, to the Red Wings. Uh, and then so their other bio guy – there was a couple guys I looked at. Obviously, there are three big defensemen, and I think Evander Kane and even Logan Couture you could probably make arguments for. But I settled on Mark Edward Vlasic, I think the worst player out of the bunch by far, and he still has some of the longest term left at $7 million per season. So for me, this was a pretty easy one. Yeah, I also did the Vlasic deal. Vlasic just isn't good anymore. Like, it's, there's just nothing else to it. He's another guy who was underrated for so long. It's kind of too bad it took so long for people to realize how good he was because now people say it and he's no longer what he used to be. 
yeah, now he's criminally overrated. Like it's dis- like it's disgusting how well Vancouver, how well San Jose's kept the secret that Vlasic isn't good for like almost three years now. Yeah, because he's just been getting filled in for a bit now, and I think league wide, like the perception is still there that he's a good player. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, even like when we started this podcast two years ago, I thought he was still a pretty good player, and then. You were like, no, no, he's not. Go look at his numbers. I did. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's way worse than I thought he was. And that was two years ago. And I think still league-wide, there's a lot of people who think he's probably underrated and doesn't get enough credit or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. But, yeah, I don't know. The other two I looked at were Brent Burns. Uh, I think, you know, Evander Kane and Logan Couture, they're both they're all still useful players. It's just they're old, so old, so much money and so much term that I think you could make an argument for it. And the same – for Eric Carlson, as much as it pains me, it's kind of the same as like Drew Doughty, though. Like I don't, I don't know what Carlson's trade value is around the league because everyone thinks he's so hurt. But I would at least be willing to take a stab at Carlson, who, as recently as two years ago, was still like one of the best defensemen on the planet, versus someone like Burns, who's 35, or you know, obviously Vlasic, who's 33 and was never even close to that range. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you could definitely. Even though I think Carlson's really good, you could actually convince me to buy out that 11.5. But the thing is, like, I think there's a non-zero chance Eric Carlson provides more wins above replacement next season than Vlasic does for the rest of his contract. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's uh, exactly. So we have some breaking news. Sorry, I was I didn't pay attention to half of that. Uh, so you know how we're talking about the Corpusello signing. Yep. Uh, well, Elvis just signed a two-year deal with an AAV of $4 million. Oh, actually? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, let's give a quick reaction to that. So we were talking about what they're going to do with Elvis and just run it back. So now I'm surprised he got so much more than Corpus Allo, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, me too. I kind of figured they would get like the exact same contract. Like, Elvis was really good this year when they went on a run, and he kind of, like, when Corvisalo went down, Elvis stepped up, and he hadn't had a win in, like, 12 games and then just ran off, like, nine straight or something like that. So it's like they're probably betting on that. It's a fine contract. Like, it's not like it's unreasonable. It's just, you know, it's two years, I think, is the big part, where it's like even if he's not as near as good next year, it's fine. You have one year to eat, and uh, $6.8 million for two goalies combined is very good cap management. Yeah, it's pretty low risk. The thing that kind of confuses me about Elvis getting that is kind of seems out of nowhere to me. Yeah, it's just such a like like it's just such a small sample size. Is it not? Like yeah. I, I don't think like did he play over 30 games this year? I don't think so. Also probably- like Corpus was a goalie of the future candidate for a while. Yeah, he played 33, 33 games this year at a 923 save percentage. And like I, I get that he was better than Corpus Allo this year. But yeah, it seems strange to that he gets a 1.2 mil raise on the guy who was deemed goalie of the future for like the past three, four years for them. Yeah, and like maybe, maybe there's like I don't follow Columbus super closely. Maybe Elvis is truly the better goalie and they're smart not to get stuck on their priors. But it kind of seems yeah. out of nowhere to me. Yeah, I mean, I know I know he had a lot of hype coming in, too. It's not like he's some random goalie that no one's ever heard of before either, right? Like, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm looking at their numbers last. Like okay, like he was way better. He had 13 goals saved above average compared to Corpusell's 0.43. His goals saved above expected were 0.41 compared to Elvis or to Corpusell's minus nine goals saved above expected. So. Like he was better, but it's just such a small sample size that it's it's interesting. But at two years, I I don't know. Like it's probably not going to be a big deal. Yeah, it's pretty low risk and good for Elvis. Like I don't see this contract being a disaster. You wouldn't think. No, no, me either. Um, okay, let's get back to our list then. Uh, so Vancouver and Vegas to uh, finish it off. Vancouver. So I already traded the. I had them trading Tyler Myers to uh, Toronto. Uh, I'm also going to buy out Louis Erickson. Uh, I think this is. I think this is the most likely one. No, okay, it's not anymore on bio calculator. For a while, this was the most likely one on cap friendly in terms of their popular buyouts, but now it's Alsner, Steen, Applicator, and James Neal. Um, but yeah, for for Louis Erickson, I just I don't know, like he's not good anymore. It's pretty simple. No, I don't think either the Louis Erickson or the Tyler Myers ones are particularly controversial among more hardcore fans, although. To your point earlier, I meant to say this. I think there'd be bonus points in your Myers buyout going to Toronto because you know damn well some like super annoying Leafs fans would be upset that the Leafs would actually buy out Myers instead of just keeping themselves. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, true. They'd probably want him to. Ju- they'd probably want him to trade for him and just actually keep. Oh, here's our right-handed D we've been looking for. The shutdown guy we need. Um, yeah, that, that would, would be, be pretty funny to see that. Yeah, that would be funny for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know for uh, for Vancouver. Other than those two contracts, I just don't really see which ones you buy out. Like the JT Miller, it, it's fine. Three more years at five point two five is. You could argue if he you know, he was still on Vancouver, maybe, but I think it's reasonable enough. Like for and then, looking up, how many points do you think JT Miller scored in sixty nine games this year? I don't think he was near point a game. Well, I mean. Mm. Was he near point a game? I know it was more than anyone was expecting, but I don't know if it was like point per game range. I'm going to say in 69 games, 60 points. That's a higher guess than I would have guessed and still pretty low. He scored 72 points this year. Jeez, yeah, okay. I, like, I know he got off to a super, super hot start to the point where it was like, and he was pl- driving play pretty well too, which was the most impressive part. Yeah, so I I wouldn't even consider the Miller buyout. I have to think after last year, he'd have a ton of value if you wanted to trade him. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, yeah, and like you look at his single season on Evolving Hockey and like all his offensive things are like two standard deviations above. So like that's, I think you could definitely get a lot of value for him. So I wouldn't even consider him. Maybe Jay Beagle? Yeah, that's a pretty fair one. It's not like a like a massive anchor because of how small the salary is, but it's definitely a bad contract. Yeah. I'd still do Erickson before Beagle just because you double the salary that you're leaving here. But um, I think Beagle's results are way worse than Erickson's were this year to be fair. But I, I just, if I think Vancouver's a team that desperately is going to need cap space over the next two or three years um, and getting rid of 6 million in Erickson and 6 million in Myers would be huge for them. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, Vegas is the last team in the Pacific Division. Uh, I did. I had Mark Andre Fleury. That is who I had too. I'd be okay. surprised if they do this, but I think it would be smart. Yeah, I don't think they would do this just because he's been the face of the franchise. But now with Robin Leonard there, if you gave, you could give all of seven million money from, and you honestly, you could give if you got Leonard for like seven million over three years. Would that be an issue for you? 
seven million over three years? No, I'd probably sign like, that. Give him yeah, like give three flurry contract. Yeah, pretty much. Like three years, twenty one million dollars this offseason. Like I think that would be obviously you're risking any goalie, but like three or four years, I think, for Robin Leonard. And then you can get flurry off your books. You don't like I don't know, like they're they're in they're in a cap crunch, so it's like you obviously want to see them do more, but like now with Robin Leonard there, they really have a good opportunity if this was the scenario where it's like they can get rid of Flurry's money, give that to Robin Leonard, they'll get one point four from Robin Leonard's contract, and they can go use that to, you know, round out the depth or whatever that they need to, because Ryan Reeves is up this year. You know, they have a couple other depth pieces for one million or more that are up this year too. So to me, Flurry was. I don't think they would do it just because what he's meant to the franchise. But that's a pretty easy choice if I'm the GM. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect way to just transfer the money from somebody who used to deserve it to somebody who probably will next year. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about that. I don't know if I would really either even consider many other players on that on that team. No, Vegas. Um... If you're gonna like, if you're the GM and they're like, no, we're not buying out Flurry. He's the face of the fan- franchise. I buy out Alec Martinez without losing much sleep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for four million for one more year, you definitely can make an argument for that. Would you consider Riley Smith five million for two more years? Yeah, I like Smith. Like, I think Smith still provides enough value that. Like, I wouldn't want to buy that contract out in the same way that I wouldn't want to buy out, like, Kerfoot in Toronto. Not because they couldn't necessarily use a space, but because I think it's still a perfectly reasonable contract. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, so last division here. we got about seven more teams. Uh, we'll run through this pretty quickly, probably. We are just over the hour mark, but that's all right. Uh, so, again, this is probably top three. I think easiest is Ottawa, Chicago, Calgary, because Chicago, I have Brent Seabrook. Yeah, that's... That's the other big no-brainer. Yep. Um, they were a trade option for me, too. I thought about them, maybe. Um, but, you know, I think the only defense of Brent Seabrook is he's on LTIR right now because he's getting, like, seven surgeries. Uh, if you are betting on the fact that he's just not going to be able to play in two years, I think maybe you could choose someone else on your big contract list, like Duncan Keith. But uh, I would probably just take Seabrook. I have them buying out Seabrook and trading Keith to the next team. What are you going to do? The Colorado Avalanche. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough, too. Like, Keith was one that I debated. And, again, they were a trade option. But I I honestly, again, think that if they wanted to move on from any of Kane, Taves, or Keith, there would probably be a team that would take any three of those guys. Yeah, Kane and Taves were another two I considered, but... That's just like so far out of the realism, and I think teams would still fetishize a Jonathan Taze, so I didn't say Patrick that Kane too. I I think you could probably get multiple first round picks for Patrick Kane still. Yeah, I think you would start a bidding war if you try to trade Patrick Kane. I completely yeah. agree with that. I'm three years at ten point five, but like he's been way over point per game for the past two seasons. I know me and you both have our reservations about what kind of player he is. I think he's a uh, very good power play player who is average or below average at five on five. But I mean, there's teams that see the point totals and see what he does with the teammates and just think that they have to have them. And Jonathan Taze, I think is probably underrated by some fans nowadays, but you know, I think there would still be teams that would look for his leadership and Duncan Keith. I just don't think people realize how bad he's been the past year or two. And now he's been getting filled in for a while now. Yeah, he's not very good. But again, I, I don't know how many teams would see that. And I think a lot of teams would see the the 5.5 for three more years. And let's say you retained a, a mill or two there, too. I think teams would absolutely talk themselves into being able to use Duncan Keith. Yeah, 
Yeah, especially because he's got those cups too. So you can be like, yeah, we're bringing in this this guy who can teach the boys how to win and all that. You can see how somebody would talk themselves into it. Exactly. Um, for Colorado, so you had them trading. That's a their decent trade option. I chose them to buy out Eric Johnson. Uh, six mil. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, that was the name I had them buying out if they aren't acquiring Duncan Keith. Yeah, exactly. I mean, six mil, three more years. He's he's okay. He's not very good, but it's not like that contract's going to kill them. Uh, it's just they have so many guys on the back end. Like, Ian Cole is fine. Nikita Zadorov's not great, but he can play on your bottom pair. Uh, Kyle, Kyle McCarr's obviously a stud. Ryan Graves is pretty, looking pretty good. Samuel Gerrard's pretty good. And then in the minors, they have uh, both Connor Timmins. And Bowen Byram as well. Byram's in junior, but you know what I mean? Like, they have two studs in the pi- uh, pipeline as well, too. So, uh, you know, I think for me, they weren't a tra- I-, I used all three of my trades already by the time I got to them. So I just said, uh, use $6 million of Eric Johnson's cap to go do something. Um, you know, maybe you put that towards uh, Miko Rantanen or something like that. I, I don't really like what-, what his contract is now. Uh, I don't really know, but, you know, that's just kind of where I thought it thought of it yeah that's perfectly reasonable i don't think johnson's great but i don't think no he's... like he he's not good like he, he really struggled this year too but i don't know like it's i don't think it's one of the worst like it's not top five worst contracts in the league or anything but i think uh, if they had the chance to get rid of it they would be quite okay with that another thing with johnson would be if there's another, because the problem with buying out Johnson is I don't know what you do on your second pair on the right side if you're Colorado, but if there's an a, an option there in free agency that you could plug in for cheap, the odds of you wanting to buy out Eric Johnson go way way up. Yeah, exactly. Or you move someone from the left to the right for a year and then uh, let Connor Timmins, who's a right-handed D, settle in on the third pair and move him up to the the second pair when he's ready. Yeah, exactly. Or like. You had Washington buying out Nick Jensen. Like, say Nick Jensen's there. You sign him for $2 million and then you put no term instead of having Eric Johnson there. Like, that could be a nice little swap. Yeah, that's totally fair, too. You know, something like that would uh, definitely work. Uh, okay, so Dallas is the next team. This was a tough one because they're a team that, you know, is very, very clearly trying to compete for a cup right now. But it's like, what do you do in the future, too? Who did you have them buying out? I had them buying out a contract that some people seem to love, but uh, you and I both didn't really like from the start, Elsa Lindell. Yeah, that's who I – I was between him and Jamie Benn, if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah. I I, can... I said Ben just because that's what I would do, but like I, I could definitely see the franchise not doing that. In that case, I would also choose Elsa Lindell. Yeah, and like you can see how Lindell's younger, and he's a defenseman, which some people seem to think ages way slower and everything like that. I don't think they would buy out Jamie Benn, but it would be a really interesting one if they did. Yeah, I mean, that's why I struggled, because both with Ben and Lindell, like I, Lindell's overrated as all hell, but like it's just both those guys, it's like, okay, you need someone to plug in right away to help produce their offense. And I know Jamie Benn hasn't been very, like, wasn't very good this year, but it's like, they don't have the offensive depth where if they lose, even if they lose Jamie Ben, like I don't think anyone's just stepping in there and replacing him. Like maybe you could have Rupa Hints step in, but then you need someone to replace him on the second or third line as well. So like I just don't know what they do with, you know, losing someone like him. And it's the same with on the back end. Like 
their back end is not very like once you get past Klingberg and Heiskinen who are great, it drops off quick. Very, very quickly. Like Lindell, Stephen Johns, Jamie Alexiak, Roman Polak, Andre Sakara, and Taylor Fadoon. Like that's just that's not very good at all. So it's like even losing Essa Lindell, it's like, okay, where's the replacement coming from? And that's that's what I struggled with trying to decide who I'd buy out here. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tough call. The other thing is, I'm not a huge prospect guy. I know who Thomas Harley is, but like, I don't think there's immediate help coming on defense for the Stars either. Yeah, that's just what I was about to say. Is that you know Thomas Harley sounds like he's pretty good, but he's 18 years old, so I don't think he's going to be in the league for at least another season yet. Yeah, not a, you can't. I can't imagine as a defenseman not drafted like one or two. He's going to be there playing in the top two or whatever quickly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so let's go on to Minnesota. Another one where there's probably a couple options you could choose. Uh, I chose uh, Zach Parise. Uh, it's just, I, I really, there's like three or four guys I think you can make a, a very compelling argument for. But at the end of the day, I put, I went between Ryan Sutter and Zach Parise. Uh, I think Sutter's better now. Uh, Parise's had a good couple years, to be fair. Like, he hasn't been great by any means, but he's at least putting points up, a few points up again. But uh, to me, when you think of Minnesota, you think of those two guys, you think of how old they are and how long their contract is, and just think about how they're never getting out from underneath it. Well, this would give you the option to do that. And also, I think Ryan Sutter would be an LTIR candidate a little down the road, just given how much that he plays. Yeah, I had Parise, too. I because I think Sutter's better now, even though Parise's had a nice little revival the past few years. And I 100% agree. After playing like 28 minutes a night for however many years in a row, you can so imagine how Sutter ends up on LTIR and nobody blinks. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's, yeah, it was between those guys really for me. I think you could also honestly really make an argument if you wanted for um, – Someone like uh, Matt Zuccarello, who's 32 in his four more years, but just with how big the Parise Sutter is and given their age and length, those are the two that I think you have to look at. And for me, it's uh, Parise. Yeah, I completely agree. You would never do this because there are bigger fish to fry, but even like Victor Rask, you could consider too. Yeah, exactly. It's like... uh, you know the, the Spurgeon one sucks, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that just because uh, he he is very good right now. So it's at least you can get value at it now, or hopefully trade something like that. Same, with, I think Matt Dumba, uh, he's pretty overrated in my in my opinion, but I think he still has a lot of trade value, and he's young enough that GMs would buy themselves into to to trading for him. So to me, it's a two or three guys, and then you know the the big two, and then two or three guys after that. Yeah, exactly. Like, if everybody thought, like us, maybe you would also say Dumbo would be worth considering for some other team that doesn't have the Parise and Suter deals, but I think you're still getting a lot for Matt Dumbo out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So for Nashville, they were an option for me, I think, to trade, but uh, their team obviously still looking to compete for a cup, so I got rid of Kyle Turris for them. I'm buying him out. Um, I, I debated about maybe looking at someone like Ryan Johansson or Nick Benino or something like that, but I think losing someone like Ryan Johansson, he's overpaid, yes, but I just don't know where the replacement would be coming for Nashville that they could still continue to compete for a couple of, like, same with Matt Duchesne and, and lose one of, one of those guys. Yeah, I did the exact same thing with the exact same thought process, like, Torres is the best mix of he's not that good now, but it still frees up enough space for you in the future. 
Yeah, exactly. Like six million dollars isn't anything to you know shake your head at. Like that's that's enough money that uh, you know in a couple of years down the road you might be able to have enough from a TSX home when you want to, if you want to keep him. Now that's obviously a different question because he'll be thirty one by that point. But like, or you know, say you you know Pekka Rene and UC Saros are both up after next season. You know, th- there's some money that you could uh, look for a new goalie or. You know, if one of them shows something for another year, give to them or whatever. But yeah, it's, I think the fans are kind of done with tourists. Obviously, his situation hasn't been great in Nashville. But, uh, you know, obviously, Duchesne and Johansson haven't been great either. But like, they're still good enough where I think that the team would sorely miss them for what they're trying to do. Yeah, because they're still trying to be competitive now. I think tourists is definitely the move, even though if you did want to say, between Duchesne and Johansson, I think you definitely go Duchesne because he's older with more term. Like, I think that would still be a fine option, but I think Turris is just the simplest path. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so for St. Louis, I gave the I bought out one deal that they literally signed this year, and that's Justin Falk. I wouldn't want that on my books at all. Me too. This is another contract that even though you just won the Stanley Cup, I think they might fire you for doing, but I would bio Falk if I was brought into the St. Louis Blues. Blues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's just no excusing it. Like seven years at six and a half million dollars for a guy who's a, not even that, like he's a fine player. He's not that great. He's 28 years old. Like it's not like he's getting any better. It's just, it's, you just can't do that. I don't know. It's 29 when it kicks in too. So yeah, like I don't see a way in which this comes even close to providing surplus value. No, I don't either. I, I really don't either. And getting rid of that six and a half million frees up space. And I, we talked about it last week or two weeks ago, where maybe you don't want to sign Petrangelo, um, but like at least it gives you the option to do it. Or if them, if you don't have Falk and you don't have Petrangelo, you suddenly have thirteen million dollars to go do something else with it. Yeah, exactly. Like you can do better things with six and a half million dollars than sign Justin Falk. Yeah, exactly. So to to me, that was a pretty easy one. Uh, the I don't know if there's any other ones that I'd really truly consider. Um, I think I the think, Braden, Braden oh, Shen, but I was thinking Braden Shen just for the length. But I think he's a fine enough player for what he's providing right now. That if if you're trying to stay competitive, you don't need to buy him out. Yeah, Shen and Falk both have the same contract coming up, and I like I like Shen's odds a lot more than Falk to actually fulfill it. Although I think it's worth noting, I would be almost certain if this happens, Doug Armstrong is just buying out Jake Allen. Yeah, that's true. But, like, Jake Allen hasn't even been bad this year. Like, he's been a big part of the tandem where it's like, okay, if he can play 30 to 35 games, he's reasonable. Obviously, he's still costing a little too much. But, like, for one more season, like, he probably would be what Armstrong does. But it's just, I don't know. I think you'd get way more value buying six and a half for Falk for seven years versus... 4.3 4.3 of Allen. Yeah, it's just the fact that he signed the Falk one three weeks before the season ended or whatever that was. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, so our last team on this list is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I had one name, but I'm not really sure. So I had little down for this contract. Um, but I don't like if he's on LTIR because of his head injury and whatever that's going on, he probably isn't a bio candidate, and maybe you just keep him on LTIR. In that case, I'd probably look at someone like Blake Wheeler. Yeah, I had the exact same process. I wrote down little. I think it's more realistic to say little, but if you can just LTIR him, that's fine. At which point, I use this opportunity to bio Blake Wheeler easily. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I get you don't want to lose him right now, but he's just he's not again. He's the prime candidate of he was underrated for so long that when he got paid the big money and started to decline, he's suddenly pretty overrated. You know, where in both contract uh, term length and, or term cost and perception of him. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate for Blake Wheeler because he essentially went from great at everything to only great on the power play. And people decided he was good when he was in the only grade on the power play phase of his game, which is really too bad. And I mean, maybe for Wheeler, you could, if you're a GM, you could probably get something of value back from him. I think that would be the only argument to not buy him out if you can't buy Little out. Yeah, the no move would worry me, though, with that. Yeah, that's true. But And I just, I don't know who else, if you're not buying Wheeler and you're not buying Little out, who are you buying out on this team? Because you're not buying Kyle Connor out, I don't think. Uh, no, not Shy- not Shifley, not Ehlers, like the the, and then everyone else is a UFA or RFA pretty much. Yeah, I think in their like what Kevin Cheveldayoff actually does, I think they're a trade candidate because I'd be really surprised if they're buying out Blake Wheeler. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, okay, well that was a pretty fun exercise. I thought, uh, you know that that made us both think. I think a, a decent amount of what we would do for some of those teams and. You know, I, I don't know if compliance buyouts will happen. If the cap doesn't go up for a couple of years, I could see it happening, but uh, you never know. Like, it's just a f- more fun exercise to, you know, get some content out during this uh, more down period. Yeah, exactly. I hope it um, does. Yeah, me too. Like, I think it would it would move – even, like, some of the names that we bought out here would lead to very interesting movement. Like, if Winnipeg bought out Blake Wheeler, some team could definitely still go pick him up for some kind of price where he would be useful for them. Yeah, exactly. And since he's still getting paid, like I would love to see Blake Wheeler at a discount slide into the Pittsburgh Penguins forward group because they have money that they just signed to Jack Johnson. They could basically get Phil Kessel, but cheaper or something along those lines. Like it would open up a whole bunch of really cool things that Blake Wheeler might be willing to take less to go there because he's already getting paid. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and then, you know, same with Bobrovsky, like he knows he's going to be getting uh, $40 million for not doing anything. If he, he could go play somewhere else where it's like, maybe he doesn't have to take so much of a workload or he goes to the right position where there's actually a, a fundamental defensive group in front of them. It'd just be interesting to see little things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool opportunities with players who like, there's the potential to be a lot of players on the market that shouldn't be, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so this is a fun exercise. Uh, if anyone has any ideas for what we should do in the next couple of weeks, we are all ears because there's not much to talk about most days. But, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, uh, Chase and I are finally looking forward to the NFL draft, which is tonight of recording. It'll probably be about a week ago by the time I get this out. It seems to be about five or six days that I finally publish them later. But with not much breaking news, although we had a little bit of news, I guess, today, uh, I, I haven't been as in a rush to uh, publish these right away. Uh, so I let them sit for a little bit. But, yeah, uh, it's nice to see some actual sport content out. Uh, so the NFL draft should be fun tonight. Uh, Chase, do you want to tell everyone what you've been working on? Yeah, so basically, I'm the kind of person, I haven't read a book since, like, pre-date. I liked The Hunger Games back then. But, like, in spite of that, I love audiobooks. And then I was thinking about the way hockey statistics are explained to a lot of people. So there's all sorts of great articles on The Athletic or on Meta Hockey or whatever that explain concepts like Corsi to people. But I've been thinking that maybe there's a market for a more video form explainer of people. So I've been creating YouTube videos to help explain hockey statistics to people. 
Yeah, so uh, go check those out. As of recording, Chase just published his uh, one on Corsi today, I believe it was. Uh, So, yep, go check that out. Uh, What's the YouTube channel that they can go if they want to find it? I believe it's just my name, Chase McCallum. Okay, and if you want to find his Twitter, I'm sure it will be pinned somewhere around there too, so you can follow him on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sons and stuff. I did an NHL all-decade starting lineup last week on lastwordonhockey.com, uh, so go check that out if you have some time. Uh, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week, and stay safe.